listen to them, children of the night, what music they make. What's up, creeps? Bridgestone! <laughs> Welcome to an episode you can really sink your teeth into. Our brains stew. Uh, uh, uh. Top 10 vampire movies for your listening One vampire pleasure. movie. Uh, uh, uh. Two. Two vampire movies. Uh, uh, uh. Look at us here. Me and B-Ready popping in the episode with the cornball lines. Some dad jokes. All about that shit. My name is Justin. I'm Brady. Slash the B-Ready. And uh, the yeah. B-Ready. We're working on getting that uh, Twitter at, verified, at, you know, at a couple the more years. Because you don't want to be bratty. That's what you said a few weeks ago. No, we're not bratty. We're B-Ready. B-Ready. Ladies and gentlemen, you will hear an absent, absence, if you will, of a certain member of Brain Stew. This week, Jeremy is not on the show. He is on one of his, mm. as we call the mysterious adventures. So it's just myself and the B-Rate taking a bite out of this one. But he'll be back next week for sure. He wanted to be here, but the guy's busy. He's probably going to be doing some crazy shit that he'll want to talk about on the show. Anyways, so you guys will get to hear it and it'll be fantastic. But so, yes, bratty. That's right. Uh, <laughs> vampire movies. I know that you're a huge fan of vampire movies and mm-hmm, uh, considering mm-hmm. the fact that we are definitely not covering fucking Morbius on the show this week, uh, <laughs> you, you know, people are talking about vampire movies again and it was a perfect time for us to sit down and really count down our favorites. Uh, there's a lot of great vampire movies. There's a lot of bad ones. So this list was actually really difficult to come up with. I don't know how you approached it. Hmm. It was hard, man. Um, you know, I, I gotta admit, I'm I'm more into werewolf lore and and mythos, but vampires are, are right up there too. Uh, it starts with you know 1931's Dracula, and just kind of goes from there. I approached this with what are my most enjoyable vampire films. So, like, if somebody were to come up to me and ask me where to start with vampire films, and I wanted them to get hooked on it, these are the films that I would give them. And so that's kind of the way I approached it. Like, what's fun to watch? What's rewatchable? What do I, when I pop on Netflix or whatever streaming channel I have, like, what am I going to fucking put on? Listen to this guy, fucking millennials or whatever the fuck you are. It's like, when I go on a streaming service, I'm sitting over here going like, when I pull out my DVD, Blu-ray or 4K Ultra (laughs) HD, or for most of our listeners, they're like, what the fuck are both of you talking about? I'm going to my VHS collection for this shit. (laughs) It's it's generational. I promise. No offense to anybody. Listen, I I love VHS. I got a couple still left, but (laughs) I got to say, if any of our listeners are still watching VHS, uh, actually, there wouldn't be any listeners. (laughs) <laughs> Why would they be listening to a fucking podcast if they have VHS yeah, tapes? We should just record the podcast at really shitty quality and then put it on the cassette <laughs> tapes and just mail it to people. There you go. Listen to it on your tape player. It'll be the equivalent like of watching a horror movie on VHS. But I love that VHS. Oh, you don't though. have an 8-track? I guess you can't be a patron. <laughs> uh, but before we get started into the countdown, I just wanted to take the time to thank those of you that were a part of our Scream contest that we did over our social media uh, over the weekend, we are giving away a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray of the movie. 
Uh, and uh, we got quite a few really good reviews. Uh, and I wanted to read at least one or two of them here on the air. So I'm going to grab them for you. And uh, I think th this one is awesome from FJ Reactions. Review for channel. I love these guys so much. The reviews on films are always so articulate. That's in bold letters. So awesome mm. that we're that articulate. Who fucking right. knew? We're Who fancy. fucking knew? Uh, they always make sure to get down every detail possible of each film they're reviewing while also having fun with their audience. Extremely interactive and very enthusiastic guys. Great job and keep up the good work. Thanks so much, FJ Reactions, for the review. That's fucking rad, dude. Yeah. The next one is That's really probably awesome. my Thank favorite you. of the few that we got from Nerp Derp. The title is Horror Extraordinaire. <laughs> what a name. Uh, this should be your go-to podcast for horror. They are extremely entertaining and funny while making horror a fun experience for a talking point. Give them a listen. This is the movie podcast your mother warned you about. They actually know our slogan, so fuck yeah. Points for that, too. Mm. All right, and uh, from Sun... Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sunday, excuse me, rather. Uh, this was our contest winner, actually, The World of RSB. I'm not really into podcasts, but I've been listening to this and I like it a lot. I love their sense of humor and it makes me laugh, which I very much appreciate. I'm officially a fan. Well, thanks so much mm. for being a fan. So much so, Robert Scott Bean, you won our contest. So You're I'll a be sending out your 4K Ultra HD of the new Scream, which has a sticker on it that reminds you that it is the new movie. And not, 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 not the original. <laughs> it actually says all new movie in really big, bold letters, just in case you were stupid enough to look at it and be like, oh, this isn't the same as no, listen, the, the characters from the movie are on the cover, but I get it. It's, it's a marketing thing. I know Jeremy and I were texting back and forth about it, making fun of it. And I'm like, I get it. I get why they named it scream. I also get why they put a sticker on it. It is what it is. Actually, Justin is really going to be sending out his bootleg copy of the original Scream yeah. <laughs> from 1996, and he's just going to slap that sticker on it. So I do have Scream on VHS, actually. I'm going to send you that. There you go. Oh, there we go. It comes full circle. But yes, our winner was actually very thankful, very appreciative, really excited about it, and that always makes it worth it for us. And it's a fun way, Brady, for us to give back to them while they're showing us some love because... We love y'all guys so much. Seriously, all the support and the listeners every single week. And if you do like what you're hearing, seriously, it helps so much for us to reach more rad horror fans like yourselves. Spotify is the easiest. You just got to go on there and give us stars. You don't even have to say anything. But iTunes means so much. Helps us build up the charts. So if you get an opportunity, leave us a review. Seriously. Like, it means so, so much to us. But, uh, Enough of my stammering on. I'm ready to talk about blood, biting the neck, and those vampires. Brady, you ready mm, for this shit? Let's yeah, do let's, it. Let, let's, let's bite into the throat of this motherfucker. All right, man. So we're going to start with our number 10, and I'm going to throw it to you first. Youngin's first. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah, see that one gotta coming. Yeah, do that, and I'm going to see what you got, baby. All right. <clears throat> number 10 for me is a little film from 1993. Guillermo del Toro, oh, ringing okay. any bells? Gross. Yeah. Chronos. I knew you were going with that. Um, I really, really, really love this movie. Um, I, in my travels across vampire movies, I found that I really like them when they're not overtly vampire movies as well, when you kind of have to guess at what it is a little bit. And I think that with, with this movie, it's 
probably my favorite Del Toro movie. Wow, that's those um, are some strong words right there. I think this is the movie that you can just look at and you can already get a glimpse of everything he is as a director and everything he's going to do. Like, sure, he gets bigger budgets and he can make better looking movies, but the gore's there, the effects are there, the great storylines there. Yeah, his his love of so, horror in terms of him being the gigantic horror fan that he is and it being such a huge influence on him as a filmmaker is definitely present at the forefront in Kronos. Mm-hmm. And for listeners who haven't seen this, maybe don't know it, it's basically set in a present-day Mexico. Uh, we have a protagonist, Jesus, played by Frederico Lupi. Uh, he owns his own antique shop, um, kind of living a ho-hum life, I guess you could say. A uh, couple shadowy figures come in, start to take interest in a certain statue among his wares, and then we get a great appearance from Ron Perlman, and who would then go on to be, you know, fucking Hellboy. Um and then he gets bit by this scarab, scarab, whatever you want to call it, and it turns him into this vampire of sorts to get immortal life. It's fucking great. Like, I, I just, it's, you see his suffering, but you see, like, he doesn't want to give it up. Like, I, if something fucking bit me and turned me into a vampire, I wouldn't want to give it up either. I, so, th- that's, that's my number the 10. That's the best part about it. I'm like, that's my, always the hard time I have with <laughs> vampires bitching about being vampires. I'm like, no. Like, listen, that's why I love the What We Do in the Shadow show so much is because as much as they complain about it, they still seem like they enjoy it after thousands of years of being a vampire. It's, You know, that reminds me. I, I know I was talking to you about it yesterday, but I went, I was just walking around. Because my wife got a flat tire. And so she had my car for the day. And I was like, well, I'm just going to walk around the city because we moved to Worcester. And Worcester. There's a ton of breweries up here. Worcester. Bless you. Uh, And there's this one called Wormtown. And I don't know if you've had any beer from there. But they seem to be pretty popular. I heard of that. And also, did you know that the Walmart smile, like their emblem, the yellow smile, actually came from Worcester? And was stolen, and there's a like if you mention it up here, it's a big fucking. Oh thing. really? Yeah. L- listen, yeah. Anyways, school. But I went and got shit. this beer. It was a New England IPA, and it was called Vampires Don't Do Dishes from What We oh. Do in the Shadows. So I thought that was pretty pretty fitting for That's this episode. That's wonderful. Yeah. Anyways, what's your oh what's my your number, number ten? 10? Oh, so this is a film from 2014 that I came upon randomly. I, I don't recall anyone really talking about it at the time. It was just very unheard of. It's a black and white American Persian language horror western vampire film. It is A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Mm, this movie great film. Uh, just really fucking resonated with me right from the get-go. Um, totally inventive and original take on a vampire movie. I just found it really beautiful. Um, the black and white, obviously, is just a great aesthetic for vampire movies. It's where they started. So it was great to see a return to form in terms of visual. Um, and it, it follows a girl. Uh, the the girl, that's what her name is. That's the name of the character. Played wonderfully by Sheila Vand. And uh, this film was directed by a woman as well. Um, Annie Lily Amarpour. I'm sure that I butchered that, but... Uh, yes, I just, this movie, I had to put it on here as I sat down to do this list. I'm like, what vampire movies do I love? Do I think deserve to be on a list? And also that really hit me in a certain way. And you're going to see a large amount of variety in terms of my picks, because I, I think that the vampire genre is so vast and there's so much that there to like and love. There's also so much to shit on and hate because <laughs> there's a lot of bad vampire right, movies. Yeah. But I mean, this one here is definitely like... 
you know, it's on the more art house scale, if you will, but it's just beautiful and it deals with crime and poverty in a weird way. And, um, just very, very beautiful film. So yeah, my number 10 is a girl walks home alone at night. If you haven't seen it, uh, out of my entire list is probably the one that I recommend the most in terms of if you haven't mm. seen it, but yeah, that's a really, really yeah. good one. So moving on for your, for your number nine. The ninth vampire ah, movie. Ah, 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 ah. Uh, so for me, I had to go number nine was 1996's From Dusk Till Dawn by Criminally Low. That is extremely low, Brady. But that's the thing we're talking about. There's, there's so many fucking vampire movies. And like it, like I said, I came with this list. Like here are the 10 movies you should watch in order. I if know. If you want to like really be into I vampires. I feel like getting sober on the show, just getting to your head. Go grab some alcohol. Go pound it or something. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I'm going to go get some more uh, vampire There it is, dishes. man. Um, but I, th- I mean, for anybody who's seen this, you know the plot. But I love that for... The first act of the movie, it's just a heist movie, right? So you just think that it's, you're getting that grindhouse vibe, that Tarantino vibe. I mean, he wrote the screenplay, so like his influence is all over it with Rodriguez. And then it just fucking flips and it becomes this weird vampire movie that I, and up and when I saw it, I had never seen vampires done this way. And it just hooked me. And let's also talk about Salma Hayek. Like, she's fucking hot oh, in this. absolutely stunner in this. Yeah. Like, I would let her turn me into a vampire any day of the week. Um, I just, I love it, man. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny in that Quentin Tarantino kind of schlocky way, you know? Um, and I think the makeup effects are great. I think that the vampires are terrifying. Oh, 100%. So that's, that's my number Oh, no, nine. that, that movie, I'm sure we'll be talking about it again much, oh. much later on, because I have good taste. Just saying. It, it, oh, good good, okay. good, good to, to see it on your list, though, young man. It <laughs> makes, makes okay, me feel good. Thanks for that after, afterthought. But, uh, What's your fucking All right, I'll then? get to it. All right, sorry. I'm sorry I'm old, and <laughs> I forget things. I, I, I need to look at my notes. Um, Probably don't even know what uh, a vampire is. I am asshole. one. Uh, no, it's, so my number nine is something that came from my childhood. I used to watch this one all the time. Did not own it, but it used to be on HBO, like randomly in the summer. It comes from 1985. It's directed by Howard Storm. It's another coming-of-age vampire flick, and it stars Jim Carrey from 1985, Ooh. Once Bitten. Have you ever seen this one, Brady? I have okay. not. I've seen like the the artwork for it, but I've never yeah, actually seen yeah. it. You've probably seen the image too of him with like the black trench coat, his hair slicked back, and the black yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. wafer yeah. or the Ray Ban sunglasses. Um, this was his first major lead role, uh, playing the character of Mark Kendall, an innocent and naive high school student who is seduced in a Hollywood nightclub by a sultry blonde countess, played by Lauren Hutton, uh, who unknown to him is a centuries-old vampire who, like, bangs young dudes that she meets at the club. I mean, it sounds like the thing yeah. to be doing in the 80s. Uh, I feel like vampires in the 80s literally would be living it the fuck up because people were dumb. I mean, we know how many people got AIDS in the 80s. <laughs> I'm just saying, people were just like, yeah, bite Jesus my dick, Christ. man, bite my neck, bite whatever you want. Um, but no, it's like, it, it's interesting <laughs> to go back and watch this movie you know, because when I saw it as a kid, I already knew who Jim Carrey was. So I was like, oh, he's like a kid in this movie. This was the beginning of him trying to become something. Um, this is, you know, even before, you know, Earth Girls are easy. 
And the movie bombed. It didn't do well, mm. but it's a huge cult classic. Um, and, y- you know, for me, at least, I-, I always looked up to the Jim Carrey character in the movie. Number one, y- you know, he got laid by this hot ass MILF. Right. And then later on, yeah. my favorite scene is him as a vampire. He's a vampire already dressed as as a vampire like he's just dressed up as a goth but he looks like a vampire so he's getting <laughs> complimented on his outfit for being a vampire he's just like oh this is just like what i'm wearing for the school dance yeah. so as a kid i just wanted to be like him so bad it was the essence of cool evil if you know what i'm talking about mm. so this movie is and no, also in terms of diversity for this list it's fun it's comedic mm-hmm. it's also like just yeah it has a little bit of an edge of the teen sex films from the early eighties that I love so much. They're really adolescent, yeah. slightly raunchy. It doesn't quite get there, but it's almost there. And it's got Jim Carrey and he's fucking great in it. So vampire in high school, for sure. getting laid, fucking awesome. Right. Mm. Dealing with girl issues and vampire issues. Mm. So that's my number nine. Ah, ah, ah. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. So number eight for me, uh, Justin, you know this. I think I mentioned it a couple of times. I'm a huge Stephen no King idea fan. Who you're talking about? I don't um, even know that you like yeah. that person. So, I mean, I know. Luckily, I'm going to talk about him while Jeremy's not on this podcast right now because he fucking hates Stephen King, which I'm sure we'll get into. When after he just he listens hears to this. the name, his eyes go bloodshot, like, and he gets beat red in the face, and he trembles. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Every time that we, I'll text him about like a Stephen King thing or this or that, and he's like. Oh, that sounds like a good idea, but fuck that guy. Or oh yeah, that's a really good movie, but I, fuck I that forgot, guy. I, I, it's like everything has to have yeah, fuck Stephen I, I King. I forgot in which it. episode he he told the story on, but I'm pretty sure he already told the story. Oh, so, so everybody I think knows already. Most of our list, but I want him to bring it up every opportunity he gets because he tells it with such passion and such fury. Um, he's like he's like. Um, Somebody telling like the one that got yeah. away story, like the fish story. He just gets into it and you're like, all right, dude, but calm unlike, down. It's like, <laughs> unlike those that are disappointed from that experience, he's hateful and angry and really bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Most people would be like, oh, to the yeah, point maybe that I this motherfucker approached this guy who writes and I, about this stuff. And I in love an that we're, you know, we're, we're giving heat to our other co-host who's not here to defend himself. <laughs> but he, he would wear a fuck Stephen King shirt. The best time you know, to the do Stephen it. Stephen King rule shirt or whatever the hell it is from the monster squad yeah, he'd yeah, be yeah. wearing stephen king fuck him shirt so <laughs> <laughs> stephen king there, there it is that's what oh, that's have. even better um but for my number eight i have to go with an adaptation of one of his short stories that a lot of people i don't think have seen because it's very hard to come by but it's the night flyer i have, have. Seen this? i've seen it once i just remember um, the, the the artwork of the really creepy fucking creature with like the cape and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, it's a story that follows a tabloid writer who investigates a serial killer who flies into rural airstrips and then goes on a killing spree. So already pretty good fucking plot. There's plenty of blood uh, for fans of Stephen King. There's plenty of King humor that pops up. Um, it's also, you know, a Stephen King adaptation, so it's going to be a little cheesy at parts. Um, but there's one scene in particular in the bathroom and Justin, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, where it's just terrifying and gory and like an oh shit kind of moment. Um, I can't recommend this one enough to people. It gets overshadowed a lot by Salem's Lot because that's like the king vampire story. But if you can find it, I would definitely check this one out because it's really fucking good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, the only time I've 
seen it all the way through. It was on streaming somewhere. So I'm like you. I'm like all those millennials who would just stream shit. That's where I found it. Yeah, it's actually, it's one of the only movies of Stephen King's that he liked how they ended it better than how he oh, ended okay, the so story. it's one of those. Interesting. He said, um, up there is also like The Mist by Darabont. Do you know who directed his, this his, one? By um, any chance? Uh, anyone notable? I'm just curious if it was anyone, because it's always interesting to see like how... <laughs> Watch it probably be Mick Garris. It's not Mick Garris. He didn't do that one. It's uh, Mark okay. Pavia. All right. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you know that like the, the plethora of horror directors have all taken their stab at Stephen King stuff. So always. I, I will say going off on a bunny trail here, I do think that Mike Flanagan has probably done the best job at adapting Stephen King. Oh, hands down. I mean, it, it, depending on, and, you know, how you look at it, I guess. Well, I think I think the he's got his own stuff like you can talk about midnight mass being like salem lot light but when you look at what he did with gerald's game and like when that got first announced i was like how is he gonna make a compelling story or movie out of out of this story because to me the story wasn't all that interesting um and then i watched it and i was like oh my fucking god like it's like he has a direct line into Stephen King's yeah. brain. It's, it's very rare for a so. filmmaker to have that. For more Stephen King, listen to Hell to the King, Brady's other other oh, podcast. Yeah. My uh, my Hell to the King <laughs> podcast with my wife and my friend Kenneth. It's great. We're going through The Stand right now and it fucking sucks. Oh, Anyways. I like The Stand, but well, The new one or the old one? Well, oh, we're the doing book, the book. That's right. I forgot you do the yeah, book because yeah, yeah. you're all... Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, anyways, we don't have to get into the stand because there's no vampires. It's just a wizard. Justin, what's your number eight? This is... Ah, uh, ah, there you ah. go. I, had, I was waiting for the... Uh, <laughs> this is The Originator, The Granddaddy, the movie that really set the tone for everything that came after it and the movie that made Bela Lugosi into a horror star. It is Dracula from 1931 and uh, the American mm. pre-code supernatural horror film uh, directed and co-produced by Todd Browning. I feel like obviously you have to, you know, approach the elephant in the room while it's slow. It's well, you know, but modern standards, it's slow. Um, Regardless of that, Lugosi's undeniable charm as Count Dracula just oozes all over the screen. I would say without him, this movie really isn't anything. Um, He sweeps across the screen with this like really strange movement that it's like otherworldly at times. Um, and his eyes, it's just, he he's sexy in an old school way, in a 1930s way. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Like classically but sexy. But it's uh, just a absolutely perfect performance. And it's the movie that really set the bar for, you know, we didn't, after this, we got Frankenstein, we got The Wolfman, we got all the universal horror movies. And it's all thanks to this one. And I know a lot of people credit Nosferatu, which rightly so, you absolutely have to credit that one as, I mean, it's fucking silent movie it's beautifully done but i think dracula is the one that most people remember and the one that really did the most for the genre and of horror in general we wouldn't have horror the way we have now without this movie and i think that in terms of that it doesn't get nearly enough credit and some might be on here going well you're you're preaching to the choir why the fuck is it so high up on your list well because there's a lot of dracula movies and i think it's just a preference (laughs) thing i think this movie you know i i enjoy it do I like it more than Frankenstein? No. Do I like it more than The Wolfman? Fuck no. And do I like it better no. than Creature from the Black Lagoon? Definitely not. All of those movies I like better as movies 
than I do this one. But Bela Lugosi as Dracula is still, I mean, in my mind, when I think Dracula, he usually is the image that pops up in my head. So so is Lugosi a better Dracula than Lee or is Lee better than uh, Lugosi? That's a really interesting and difficult question. I'm not sure I'm ready to answer that right now. If I had to go ah. from this preference right off the bat, I'd say Lugosi. Right off the bat, yeah. You know? Okay. I like Christopher we'll Lee. That. He's really great. He different eras, different interpretations, different approaches to mm-hmm. the character, even though they're slightly similar. So, for sure. Um, yeah. All right. On to well, you for your number seven. Ah ah ah. Ah ah ah. Number seven for me. We're getting a little more modern than I have been. We're going to two thousand seven. And we're going to go to a Sam Raimi-produced film starring Josh Hartnett, Dan Houston. Wow, okay. I wasn't sure if this was going to show up on your list or not. 30 Days of Night. And what really gets me going about this movie is, one, Josh Hartnett. Because this is like his Does he make you that horny in this movie? Really? Not as horny as Ben Affleck did, but when they were in when they were in Pearl Harbor together, yeah. but I much like um, from Dusk Till Dawn. It's a different take on vampires that I really hadn't seen before. It, oh, so you man. already get the great setting of it's an Alaskan town that's going to be dark for thirty days, right? And then you have not just a vampire spreading through, but a gang. Of vicious, the vampires. most vicious just, vampires, I would say. Oh, ever. dude, when they're fucking sprinting, Danny Houston as a vampire is terrifying. Like Danny Houston in general is terrifying, but as a vampire, even more so. And that shot when it's overhead of the town, just getting—that's one of my. I love that the blood and, and having it be in Alaska with the snow. And I'm pretty sure this is based on a graphic novel. Am I correct in that? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the visual of the blood on the snow, the white, ha- oh, hadn't been done yeah. in a movie that way. It's just absolutely beautiful to look at. This one I saw opening night in theaters and walked out really a big fan of it. I own it on Blu-ray. It doesn't get talked about all that much, but I love Josh Hartnett, and I'm waiting for a Hartnett essence, man. I really, I want him to get back out in the limelight. You know, yeah. I don't think it's gonna. He's happen, in the new man. Christopher He's Nolan movie, doing all- so. Yeah, I I don't know. It didn't look that great. Like, not not the Christopher Nolan movie. He's done a couple other movies before that that I'm kind of like, it, he's trying to get back into the spotlight. I just think he's been gone for so long, man. I mean, he did Penny Dreadful. He's done a couple independent films that have been decent. I, I just don't think he's... He's got the chops, man. I don't know if his, he's I just up think to it. if he does, he needs to bring back that hair from the faculty in H2O. He's got he's, he's got that horror it. pedigree, man. He needs He should be in some new good horror movies. That's really what he needs to do. And he's got to come out and be like, Michael Myers is dead. <laughs> You're in. But that's, uh, that's that's number seven for me. <laughs> what about no, you? We, fuck, fuck vampires. Let's just turn this into a HeartNet podcast. A love a thumb. All right, real quick. S- side note. If you had to pick top three HeartNet movies, not top five, because I already know what are. we really doing this are. right now? <laughs> yeah, just do it right now. For me, right off the bat, yeah. uh, H2O. Number two, Sin mm-hmm. City. Three, The Faculty. Mm-hmm. And okay. after that, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with a blank right after that. Yeah, I got to go. Number one's Black Hawk Down. I fucking love that I movie. I haven't seen that in years. Number two, 
is I just watched it the other week again. Uh, number two is H2O. And then number three is, um, fuck, I always get the name wrong, 40 Days and 40 Nights, where he like swears off sex for 40 days. It's like the romantic comedy and he like finds the love of his, love of his life How in that dare time. You? We're a horror podcast. How dare you admit that you like romantic comedies? I'm going to go out right now and say I love romantic comedies, okay? Okay, I know who I'm kicking off the show first. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's Jeremy. He's not here. He probably Fuck loves him. King. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I just imagine he's sleeping right now and he's like twitching in his sleep like fuck fuck Stephen King. He's sleeping right now. He can hear it in his head. He's going to wake up. He's dreaming this right now and then he'll find out it's a reality. (laughs) My my number seven comes from the year I was born. Uh, uh, Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. 1968? Uh, 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 1983, you smart ass. Uh. All right. I've got some grays, but my balls aren't that gray yet. Um, Directed by the late Tony Scott, brother of Ridley Scott. This is Ooh. a lesbian vampire movie. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about hey. The Hunger. Have you seen this one? I have. Okay. Yep. So this one, which lends itself more on the end of style over substance, it's probably the sexiest vampire movie that has ever existed. Um, it casts David Ooh. Bowie, the great David Bowie. Like... The late, great what is David more Bowie. perfect than, like, in terms of casting, than David Bowie is a vampire? Look at the motherfucker. He's a vampire. Yeah. He was definitely a vampire for real. I mean, and someone put. Well, I think he's more of a Goblin King, but he he's both. You can do you can do both. <laughs> but I remember this movie. You know, it, it it obviously another movie that walks the line of the art house level of filmmaking, and I just it's. A mesmerizing experience to just behold this thing. I don't even think you need to pay attention to much. Just watch it and let it become you. You know what I mean? Like, just let it happen Mm. to you. It's that kind of movie where I was just like, fucking, it it grabbed me by the arm and pulled me in immediately. Um, It's just really awesome. And also, you know, I'm I'm, I'm just trying to to walk around it, but no, I'll just get right to it. It's got Susan Sarandon totally nude in it, so. And she's Mm -hmm. fucking gorgeous in the movie. And it just, the cinematography, the music, it's just such a romantic movie uh, in terms of being a vampire movie. And it's brutal at times as well. Um, It got shit on really bad when it came out by critics for being so stylistic and not really having all that much substance. But for me, I think that's what makes it really special. And it is one of a kind in terms of, you know, the movies that have graced the horror genre that deal with these characters of vampires. Yeah. Well, I think with vampire movies, like maybe we're alone in this, but I don't think you need a lot of substance to it. Like the vampire tale is pretty straightforward. So you can bring your own twist to it and put your own influence and inspiration on it. And, if that's an art house movie, that's great. If it's a typical vampire movie, cool. Like, as long as you have fun with it and give us a movie that's enjoyable, like, I don't need this Christopher Nolan esque plot line of a vampire movie. Well, you know? I don't think anyone would ever want that. But now that you just said that, I'm sure there's somebody out there trying to fucking make that movie right now. Uh, you know, it's just, <laughs> I guess critics at the time didn't like like five minute long nude scenes of like nipple licking and, you know, I, like, I'm all about that. Well, then why are they watching a vampire film? Exactly. So, yeah, my number seven is The Hunger. Another one that, again, if you have not seen it, it's not talked about nearly enough. 
um, beautiful to look at if you just want something to experience. And yeah, this is the one for you. So moving mm-hmm. on, we are getting down there to the nitty gritty. Ah, ah, ah. To your number six. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Number six for me is probably when I first realized that vampires could be really sexy. Ooh. And I'm talking about 2003's Underworld. Oh shit. Okay. With Kate Beckinsale, Scott Speedman. Um, sleek like a, black rubber. Oh, oh yeah. But I really really like this because like i said i'm a huge werewolf fan and this series was about the battle between vampires and werewolves but not in like the old sense you think of where it's like swords and spears and and daggers it's like they have fucking this is definitely the matrix version of werewolves and vampires and that's the other thing this is i watched this around the same time that i saw the matrix and i was like these two films are like the same to me but i Love it. And that transformation at the end where Kate Beckinsale Celine bites Scott Speedman and makes him half vampire. Isn't half it weird werewolf. that his name is Scott and he looks so much like Scott Stepp from Creed? Yeah. That's probably why, that's why I really you like, like him. him. Yeah. Um you want to be him, him actually. You uh, want to be just like him. If- <laughs> now he wants to be me. He wants to be B Ratty. Uh I just really, really like this movie and I yeah, that, that's really all I have to say about it. Yeah, um, I think I, I, I get the, the the black spandex. It's a sexy itself. movie, uh, stylistic in terms of its action. It's really enjoyable. It's a it's a it's a vampire popcorn flick. So, um, my next pick is a movie that I don't think Underworld could exist without because it was the precursor to that. But I, I debated on where I would put Underworld. It would probably be honorable mentions, which we will get to at the end of our lists here. But mm-hmm. my number six is. The first big Marvel film adaptation that hit, and it was about a vampire killer, half vampire, half human, that hunted down vampires and blew them into dust, played by then huge Abraham Lincoln. blockbuster star Wesley Snipes. And uh, oh. it made vampires cool and hip again before, you know, way before Twilight walked in the door and ruined everything. Um, directed by Stephen Norrington, this movie is fantastic now i know people are going to address it uh, i recently got the 4k ultra hd i think like last year or something and rewatched it and it's a gorgeous looking movie but yes it's 1998 the budget wasn't the biggest so some of the cgi in terms of the vampires being shot and turning into dust doesn't look good especially not in 4k on a 4k television but all that aside it has that charm from that period and it is Amazing. Uh, Wesley Snipes is a powerhouse in this movie and absolutely a presence throughout. And I think that it's a shame. I'm, I'm kind of excited for the new Blade movie, knowing that it's a Marvel Studios mm. movie. I'm not and that it's not going to be R. I'm kind of weary of it, but I would have loved to see, you know, Snipes return to the role once more uh, and, and and take it on again. And you can't talk about this movie without talking about Stephen Dorff, who is a brilliant villain in this fucking thing. He is terrifying. Oh, yeah. He's sexy. He's got literally everything. And he's he's a, he's a perfect 90s villain. He dresses well. He's got great hair. You know, it's like all of those elements mm. that you want to have. And he's just like the modern style vampire. 
And I think it was a different take yeah. that we hadn't seen yet up until that point. And I really, it's a great action movie. It's a great vampire movie. It, it deals with vampire lore in a way that we hadn't seen before um, in, in terms of a movie in general, let alone a comic book movie. And it was this movie that really changed things forever, you know? So uh, yeah, that's going to be my number six blade. But ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a quick promo break for the live stream for The Cure. And when we come back, we're going to be talking our top five, top five vampire movies. Ah, 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 ah. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. And we are back with our top five vampire films of all top time. Top five vampire films. Ah, 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 ah. Ah, 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 ah. I wonder how many of our and listeners are sick of that already. They're like, they're like they're motherfucker, I was sick of it five minutes up. ago. <laughs> well fuck you no, okay we're gonna keep doing it, it. it we just had to, listen the count is like a legendary vampire right he's on sesame street he taught us like math and shit right so i still didn't okay. do well, well in I, math. I was terrible at math but i'm just saying you know he's not <laughs> in a movie so we can't put him on a list or anything this isn't like top 10 vampire characters maybe someday we'll do that and he would most definitely be on that list i mean you can't it's the count, man. I love I love the count so much that I would get him tattooed on I my would body. Too. Most definitely. Yeah. The count rules, man. Like, I could do we, that. We just had to, you know, got to show some love to the count. We had yeah, to include him. But yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're there with the nitty gritty, the top five. This is it here. So Brady, hopping back over to you. What is your number five? Number five for me is a 2010 remake by... A little director named Matt Reeves called Let Me In. And first off, I want to say that like the cast is amazing. Richard Jenkins is a serial killer who looks like the fucking Riddler from the Batman. Chloe Grace Moretz and um, Dylan Minnette are great child actors in this movie and what really got me about this is that it's not just a straight vampire film it's more of a coming of age romantic horror film i guess you could say because this kid's getting bullied at school 
in New Mexico and his parents are neglecting him because they're getting a divorce and his mom's like a religious nut been there and this family moves in next door and he notices that the little girl only comes out to the playground where he is at night and doesn't wear shoes in the snow and he's like oh that's fucking weird but she's really standoffish and then people start getting killed around there and just like the scenes man i don't know like i rewatched it last night for the first time in a couple years in prep for this episode and Justin, I don't know when the last time you saw it was, but like some of those in shots opening of like of Richard <laughs> Jenkins as the serial killer, like wrapped in that garbage uh, bag, look just like the Riddler. They, it's like it could have been in Batman. And I even think that um, the the guy who did the music is the same, Michael Giancarlo. Michael is that his name? Yeah, Chino. He, it's the same person. And I just I love the movie. It's a big thing about vampire movies for me too is the music. So when you think of like underworld it's like rave kind of music like matrix yeah. style and then yeah. <laughs> but it's it goes with the vibe of the movie like it never takes you out of it and this one it's like the swelling scores and i mean i don't know man like watching it last night was like watching it again for the first time and i fucking love yeah. it i i just think it's great especially the end scene i'm gonna spoil it where our main character owen is getting drowned by bullies and Abby, the vampire, comes in and just mutilates them. But there's a scene where he's underwater and he hears it but can't see it. And a kid's like upper torso is dragged oh, upside down through scene. the water. It's so amazing. Dude, I was sitting there like, holy fuck, how did I not remember that? So I, I just, I really love this one. I haven't seen the original. I know that's heresy. I you, need to watch it. It definitely is and you definitely need to. It's They're both great. And that's why I'll be straight yeah. up with you on this. It's not on my list because I like the original and the remake equally. So it wouldn't be fair mm-hmm. to include one without the other. Cause you know, the remake wouldn't exist without the original and, and, and right, right, all right, that right. nonsense, but it, it, both of them are fantastic. And I, I, I did see yeah. Matt Reeves film in the theater opening weekend and really fell in love with it. I thought it was fantastic. So great pick there. I'm not yeah. going to bitch you if for that one. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. What about yeah, you? Number What's number five? What's cracking the top a five? Movie you already talked about that was criminally fucking low on your list. I'm talking about Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's From Tusk Till Dawn from 1996. Uh, you said it perfectly. I mean, mm. this movie starts out as something totally different. It's a heist movie. Um, follows a pair of American criminal brothers played by George Clooney and Tarantino himself in probably his best role. I mean, in terms of acting, he, Tarantino's fantastic in this movie. He just choose scenery with his own dialogue and he's so good at it um they take a family hostage uh harvey keitel and of course juliette lewis in order to cross into mexico Mm. but ultimately find themselves trapped in a saloon a really cool one that i'd love to go to by the way it's frequented by vampires um and when shit hits the fan it goes absolutely bonkers turns into a totally different kind of movie Uh, and the end result is one of the most bloody fun and stylish fucking vampire movies ever ever it's so much Mm -hmm. fun i never get sick of watching this movie i was like i think last month i came home from terror tuesday from hosting it um we did house of wax last year and i came home and daniel was watching this and it was like i think the last 20 minutes of it and i immediately sat down excited and just had to soak this up it's just one of those movies where you can never watch it too many times it never gets old um it's a blast from start to finish and by far one of Rodriguez's best movies. I mean, any vampire mm. flick, by the way, that has Danny Trejo 
as a vampire deserves yeah. to be in every top five. So uh, this movie is just a, a blast. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's that rare occasion when two visionaries come together to make something they love. And this is the most horror thing that Tarantino has ever done. And he's a huge, a gigantic horror fan. So it's awesome to see that he was able to make this with Rodriguez behind the camera. It's a fantastic film. So that's yeah. my number five, man. Was it, um, was it Halloween six that he was really interested he in almost making? Made Halloween six. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's almost made Damn. like every fucking movie <laughs> when you, when you hear about like, yeah. Oh, Quentin Tarantino was going to make a star Trek movie. Like it, it, it's just one of those stories where he has interest and he dabbles with the idea, but you know, he's only going to make his own original movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. which is great. He's one of the few film directors alive today that still has that opportunity. He's never done an IP. He's just done his own movies. So, yeah, this yeah. is, it's great to know that Tarantino had his hand in a vampire movie and one of the best for sure. So, yeah, moving for on sure. to you for your number four. Uh, 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 uh. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. I got a question for you. How are those maggots? Really? Number four? Are you serious? Number four oh, is the Lost okay. Boys. Um, you know, I came to it late. Like, I come to every fucking movie. But, one, soundtrack is amazing. Title song, Cry Little Sister. Love it. I listen to it all the fucking time. The saxophone guy, I'm going to meet him in August because he's at a fucking tavern up here. Is he playing? So... I've already got. He's playing. He's playing, and he's doing like a meet and greet. He's amazing live. That that that's so cool, and he's still jacked too. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is. Uh, I'm gonna bring some baby oil and throw it on him. But I really, really, really enjoy this movie. Um, You've got Corey Haim, Corey Feldman in their peak. I think that's amazing. The Frog Brothers are like everything that I wish that my cousins and I had been growing up. But we were homeschooled, and so we weren't that cool. We were just like out in the woods, like pretending to fighting in world war ii whatever we weren't actually fighting vampires and i really really like Kiefer sutherland when he plays an evil role and he makes a fucking badass vampire and like you said the 80s for vampires they would have just been having a heyday and in this movie they That's are true. they're yeah. a group of young adult vampires teenagers who are just wreaking havoc on this town doing whatever they want sleeping all day partying all night i just I really, really love it, and I know that for a lot of people, it's probably a little low on here, but it makes my top five. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I, I gotta give if you, you give someone a top five I mean, list. Honestly, <clears throat> anyone that doesn't have this on their top 10, I, I would be shocked, you know? It, it, yeah. I would feel like they were being a contrarian just for the sake of it, because it's so hard mm-hmm. to dislike this movie. I mean, it's it's supernatural. There's a lot of black comedy in there as well. I'll definitely be talking about it a little bit more in a few minutes here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, right. But it is one of the best. And I think Joel Schumacher, he's really at his best here in terms of direction. He really just nailed something that it, it, was, it was the perfect mix for him as a director, his sensibilities, if you will. So, yeah, I, I, it, this movie... Another one that never gets old, but again, I'll be blabbing about it in a minute. And and then something else too, like a lot of times in vampire movies, I love the the moments where the vampire turns somebody. Or when you think of another movie that's gonna come up, somebody inviting the vampire in. But one of the most terrifying moments in this movie is what I quoted, is when they bring Michael back to their lair 
and they're just playing mind games with him. And he's like eating Chinese food. And then David's like, oh no, they're maggots. How do they taste? And then he looks and he's like, relax. They're only noodles, right? It's just, it's, he's just fucking with his mind the entire time. And it's imagery that has like, once I've seen it, I, I can, can't yeah. unsee it. But yeah, it's number four for me. Wonderful. What about you? No, it's a great pick, man. And it, it, again, it's, <clears throat> it, it's a movie that is beloved by so many people and uh, still appreciated. And it's got Corey fucking Feldman. Corey Feldman actually tried cocaine for the first time on that movie. Yeah. Mm, he's got makes some sense. stories about that. Um, my number four comes from 1992. This is probably the biggest Terror Tuesday that I ever hosted. Um, it was the biggest success for me. I'm pretty sure you were there. Directed by the legendary Francis Ford Coppola. This is Dracula. And in my opinion, this is the interpretation of Dracula. My personal favorite. Not saying it can't be beat. I just think no one has tried and succeeded yet. Um, and with mm -hmm. the title character played by the great Gary Oldman, one of his most iconic performances, it, this one is so amazing. You can't touch anything in this movie except for maybe, you know, Keanu Reeves's English accent. But he does, he, oh, he does sport on. the best bowl cut ever in a movie. So, no, I'm not going to come on. His accent is terrible. <laughs> It's not great. It's not good. It's terrible. It's beyond terrible. It's literally like, I mean, I get it. When he was cast, no one wanted him in that movie. And he was in the movie because he was a sexy star at the time, an up-and-comer. And it shows. He just either wasn't prepared or, I mean, he's a wonderful actor in a lot of other movies. Just don't yeah, try yeah, to get I know what you're saying. <laughs> The movie is shot like a Bava film or, you know, an Italian horror film, rather. And Coppola, like, specifically wanted to do that visual look. And he also does every single special effect in camera for real. This was the beginning of the transition to doing computer-generated imagery for special effects right before Jurassic Park. This is right after Terminator 2. And he didn't want to do any of that. He didn't want to do any of the stuff that was popular in the 80s either. Everything is makeup or done in camera for real, and it shows. Um, the movie at times itself is a fever dream in terms of the visual sense that it has. And probably the most romantic version, no, the Rome, definitely the most romantic version of Dracula we've ever seen put on film. Um, and not only that, but the movie is scary as hell. There are some great jump scares in there. Um, it, it, it's gothic. It's a little bit over mm -hmm. the top, and at times there's some laughable scenes that occur. But, I mean, it, it's just, I think this movie is close to being considered a masterpiece. I think it's just the best cinematic telling of the Dracula story. And I've never even, I mean, you're more familiar with the actual literature than I am. But in terms of just how <laughs> I view the character, I mean, I just, it's bar none perfect. I just think it's a great movie. No. So, yeah. My number I agree. Four is it's fantastic. Dracula from 1992. Francis Ford Coppola. I have to put that above that because that's mm -hmm. how I just remember when the movie came out, everyone was getting it wrong. He's like, no, my name needs to be that. It's, it's like John Carpenter's vampires, but that movie sucks. So yeah, not talking about that. That was not on the list. <laughs> Come on, James nope. Woods. Nope. Come on. Nope. nope. All right. Wow. Yeah, we're, we're right there, in there, man. So we're on to your number three. Holy shit, man. <sighs> All right, uh, uh, number uh. three for me. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. 
It's from 1987. It's more of a neo-Western horror, if you will, from Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, we we starring we might Bill as well Paxton. Just both talk about this one at the same time together because this is my is this your three two? Yeah, yeah near near two. dark. Um, I think that it's one of probably the most overlooked vampire movies. One, it's really hard to get it. I think, and then well, now it's on Shutter, but beforehand, and and two, it comes out in the time when you have vampires are just booming. Those eighties vampire movies. So I I think it yeah, did get overshadowed, but right 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 around the same time as the Lost Boys, same year. Yeah, and. I don't think the movie is necessarily scary, but it's extremely violent and gory. And the entire scene at the end in the bar, the confrontation is so tense and disturbing that it's, it's just crazy. Like when you think of it, it's like, you're, you're looking at me like, yeah, I guess this is how vampires would be. It's, it's almost like a, a precursor to, to from dusk till dawn. Yeah, a little if bit, you think yeah. about it. Same hostage situation. You got this family. So I, I don't know. I really, really love it. No, what do I, you think I, of it? It's at my number three. So what do you think I think yeah. of it, B-Ratty? Uh, I no, think you hate it. it. And very true. And, I think you and, shit and, on and it. to your point there, in terms of uh, its availability, it, when Twilight came out, they, re, they issued a Blu-ray of it that has been out of print since then. And if you look at it, it's the mm. most hilarious cover art ever because they tried to make Near Dark look like a sexy Twilight teen vampire flick. It's the same one that's on Shudder right now. That image they're using that right now on Shudder? Are you fucking serious? Yeah, and for the longest time, like when they when they, when they first put it on there, that's how I watched it, I was like, this is not the movie that everybody's talking about. This can't be, just by Dude, looking at the art. Shudder should know better. God damn it. Unless they're trolling people on purpose to fuck with them. But, uh, so I don't own this. Uh, I showed it to Loy Sauce a few years ago. We watched it and we're just astounded uh, by how fantastic the movie is, uh, exactly what you were saying, and it's it's a western, man. Uh, Catherine Bigelow and uh, her co-writer Eric Red were trying to find financial backing uh, for a budget for a western movie. They they had a hard time with it, so it was suggested to them by the studio they try mixing a western and another more popular genre. What's what's more mm-hmm. financially viable in the late '80s than horror? So her interest. Uh, in revisionist interpretation of cinematic tradition, it led her to let's make a vampire Western. And, you know, this far before John Carpenter attempted and failed at doing this same thing, Catherine Bigelow succeeded in a movie that did not do very well with audiences. It did not become a box office success, but critics liked it. And and I just think mm-hmm. going back to that bar scene, I think it's the most memorable scene and Bill Paxton fucking god rest his mm. soul what a talent man always a great character actor and in this movie just literally uh his presence is so appreciated he is amazing all bloody with the sunglasses on he just i mean he, yeah he was so diverse in terms of an actor he could be the good guy he could be like a straight-laced fucking dad and then the next minute he's this brutal hateful vicious vampire it just absolutely fantastic and this movie looks gorgeous absolutely gorgeous it's Mm -hmm. just untouchable in terms of its originality and how different it is so i think for this movie too what really works for it and that the director really nailed was that you don't necessarily need to show the vampire's fangs 
so much to make them scary or intimidating, right? It's it's more of their need yeah. for blood because that's what most of this movie is centered around. It's it's not like they're just going around like biting people and turning them into vampires. They they need blood to yeah. survive, and that's when you get down to it, is terrifying because then it just turns into a western serial killer movie, right? Where they're just picking people up and killing them because yeah, they need it, blood. It goes back like, to the, the animalistic nature of a vampire and really the, it's just their need for blood for them to exist, for them to retain that eternal life. It's they're a bunch yeah. of nomads just out there trying to, you know, remain in existence. And I think it's just a, a very original take again, very different from the lost boys that came out the same year and very different from mm-hmm. the majority of vampire movies that came before. And I think that's why it just didn't, connect with audiences in that way and um it's a very unfortunate but i'm i've been told that this is getting a 4k ultra hd release so i'm just been patiently patiently waiting for that moment because i know it's going to be a big deal and i know if you're listening to this show you're a horror fan so you already know this movie you already know its legacy there's nothing else we can say that you don't already know but this movie is a classic it's one of the best vampire movies ever made so that's my number three and your number three. So we got to move right on, Brady, to your number two. Eh, eh, number eh. two ah, ah, ah. has already been talked about on this episode. And it is 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula. You already yeah. talked about it. No, I, I, I don't you're looking at me like I, I don't think there's a lot. I just talked about no, no, no. I'm still I, just, I don't the think show, that there's so. a lot. I don't think there's a lot that I can say that you didn't already say. I mean, when I think of this movie, I think of the opening scene where Gary Oldman's Dracula is being turning into a vampire, right? And he's fighting and that imagery of his his armor and the chanting music. It's just like that's it's very terrifying to me. Yeah. And it just pulls you into the movie and it just never stops and it's got one owner writer in it it's got keanu it's got anthony hopkins it's a great fucking cast cast. and like you said i think that it sticks very true to the original story from the 1800s and when i think of dracula yes bella lugosi is great and i don't think that he can really be touched but he didn't make it onto this list because i think that Gary Oldman does a better job well, yeah, I mean, of showing what Dracula is. And I get it's different times. Yes. It's, you know, decades ahead. I, we don't have to get into all of that. But if I'm showing somebody a movie or I want to watch a Dracula movie, I would pick this one over the 1931 well, and also, every uh, time. To your point there, I think that it's the most entertaining of them as well. It's the yeah. most enjoyable to watch visually. And it's the most entertaining. It's got that poppy feel to it, but it's still grounded in that world so deeply of the mythology. It works well in in both ways. So as an entertaining blockbuster and as a serious take on the material, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And a funny story is I did see it at your Terror yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, you came for that. I think two or three years ago. And I brought my sister-in-law and she had never seen it before. Ooh, how did that and so go? I was telling her the entire time, I was like, this is a great movie. It's probably my favorite Dracula movie. You're going to love it. And then we got there and I completely forgot like the sex scenes in it <laughs> with like the wolf. And so halfway through, she was like, this is your favorite movie, huh? Bestiality. I was like, all right, all right, dude, come I, on now. But she loved fucking, it. She loves Gary Oldman. is still one of my favorite movie creature designs ever. 
Oh yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Just love it. I just, oh, man, they just, when I think about this movie and I hate to be like old guy yelling from his porch again, <laughs> but they just don't make movies like this anymore. If they made this movie now, no. the, the backgrounds would be all green screen. The, the settings would be mm-hmm. all CGI. They wouldn't even build sets for real. I mean, the insides of the castles in this and just, it's so beautiful to look at the costuming here and every, the makeup. It's got the total package. And some some people have claimed that this movie has a has a not tongue in cheek, but kind of a hammy factor to it. That's fine, because at times it needs mm-hmm. to be a little light in order to reflect the dark. And I think it has yeah. everything. So it's yeah. And I think that the love story between Dracula and Mina Harker is superb here like i i think that you don't want to root for it because you know you have keanu's jonathan who is supposed to be betrothed eh, to he's Winona's. a fucking wet paper towel man but then that's the thing it's is gary oldman does such a great job as your and they're just drawn to each other and on screen they have such a great chemistry that they show that throughout the whole movie like she's in this trance but so is I'll he i'll never forget so for Terror Tuesday, for our listeners that have never been able to, to come to one, because I know you're all over the world, uh, it is the monthly horror film club that I have at Alamo Drafthouse, D.C. area in Ashburn. Um, we show movies on the big screen and people come out and have a blast. But I always make sure to give our audience members, I design a pin, like a little pin you can put on your jean or leather jacket or whatever, or your backpack. And for this one, I had an argument with Loisos about what image to use. He's like, no, you got to use Goldman, old Gary Oldman as Dracula. And I put an image of Keanu Reeves with his bowl cut. And I, I thought people I would still have that. It. And <laughs> I was right. People were like, oh, my God, a Keanu pin. Uh, and I made sure in yeah. my intro to mention to reflect on how amazing that bowl cut was. It's just a memory that I'll always remember. It was just absolutely fantastic. So, all right, sweet, man. All right, so... Oh, number Top two. two. And you had already talked about this one. It is Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys from 1987, the stylish coming-of-age vampire story jammed oh. with vampirism as a metaphor for the trials and tribulations of teenage angst. It's just, uh-huh. this is a perfect movie. And Kiefer Sutherland's David is delicious. You could just eat him right <laughs> up. It's, it, I mean... This movie, I'd love at some point on the show to do a full retrospective on it, um, but no, nothing yeah. really says the perfect vampire movie, Be Ratty, more than Tim Capello, all oiled up, jacked to the bone and playing the saxophone like it's the equivalent of sexual intercourse. It's We still believe. Great song. You were totally right in saying this. The, the score is great, but the soundtrack itself, oh, to die for. Mm-hmm. Um and the movie's climax is the most fun. And uh, overall, it balances comedy and some of the most terrifying horror imagery from the era ever. Um, the cast is fantastic. Like you said earlier, Corey Haim, in my favorite role of his, he's just perfect in this movie. And Corey Feldman, who, yes, tried cocaine for the first time on the set of this and got fired for doing so and then immediately rehired because the reason he did cocaine is because his mom was not watching him like she was supposed to and she was at, like, the local bar getting hammered and shit. So it's an interesting story. 
It happens. And he yeah. talked about that whole thing on uh, Steve-O's podcast. So check that out if you listen to Steve-O's oh, yeah, podcast. Yeah. Steve-O from Jackass, that is, for the uninitiated. But I mean, yeah, I'm off on a tangent. This movie just, I remember seeing it as a teenager and it really just connecting with me. And I think it's got a youthful energy to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sexy. It's stylish. It's definitely pure 80s. But he he takes the material very seriously. And um, because I know a lot of people later on try to claim that Joel Schumacher was not a serious filmmaker. He made a lot of great fucking movies, and this is one of them. So, yeah, 100 percent. This is one of the best vampire movies ever made. It's one of the most enjoyable. It's one of the most talked about. Um, It's a cult classic, and it was a huge financial success when it came out. And I've seen it on the big screen twice. Definitely one that if you ever get the opportunity to take the take the advantage of that and go watch it on the big screen and i'm pretty sure it is this year because i have it pre-ordered somewhere or it was uh, a new brand new 4k ultra hd release of this is coming as well so and i'm super excited for that so yes my number two is the lost boys are we about to have the same number one pretty sure we are did you just like drop something because you're so crazed about this that this idea yeah, I just can't even contain myself is, I, I had a feeling but I know you love this movie. do you want to like go ahead yeah yeah I was gonna say do you want to count down and, and say it at the same time and see if it's the same one I was just going to say welcome to fright night for real yep oh my fucking god this movie <laughs> it's so You're fucking so good cool, so Brewster. <laughs> I showed my wife that movie uh, this past year. Actually, no, it was last. It was last Halloween because my wife hates horror, and she was like, "If you want to watch a horror movie tonight, we can." And I said, "Okay." So I texted Justin and I said, hey, "Oh my god, Paige just said <laughs> she's gonna watch a horror movie." And I'm thinking of showing her Fright Night or Lost Boys, and he was like, "I don't think she's gonna like either one of those, but I'd go with Fright Night." And so we did, and she was like, "I hate that fucking evil Ed character." Aww. <laughs> And I was like, come on, man. He's a porn star now. Or he used to be. Anyways, this movie has great fucking score. Like, it, I think it puts Lost Boys the, the, to the shame. The score by Brad Fidel, who is known for the Terminator mm-hmm. score, Terminator 2. It's an amazing score. Come to me. What is it? Dream yeah. Window. It's, oh my God. And, and Christopher Sarandon as Jerry Dandridge is by far... The sexiest vampire. Oh, yeah. I can't, you can't compare. He's charismatic, likable, sexy, but when mm-hmm. the transformation hits, he's what nightmares are made of, man. He is a oh, monster. Yeah, like exactly. Like a beast, a creature from the depths of hell. It's, it's a great transition when it happens. But this movie, Brady, and I know some people are going to be like, really? Overwritten? It's not. Like, this movie has everything. Literally everything. It's funny. It's scary. It's poppy, if you will. Um, A horny teenage boy sees what he thinks is foul play and deciding to inspect the situation finds out that a vampire has moved in next door. I mean, dude, the Mm -hmm. idea that this kid actually gives up the chance to get laid just to catch a glimpse of what's going on outside of his window. Now that's dedication to horror if there is any it's just yeah <laughs> fantastic and it, it it also balances that teen comedy with the horror 
I mean, and mm-hmm. this came at a time in 1985. This is two years pre Lost Boys. This is the movie that really got the vampire genre back up on its feet, out back from out of the coffin and from the dead, if you will. It just that it had been considered old hat up until that point. It, yeah, it's also just like a love letter in parts to like the 50s yes. and 60s yes. Hammer films with Peter Vincent. It's like I, I don't know. It's it's every good thing about a vampire movie rolled up to into one 80s flick. And I can watch it over and over and over. And we met Christopher Sarandon. That was fucking fantastic. Yeah, it's a, we didn't get to meet Freddie Prince it, Jr. That's it, it, all right. Well, I we'll got a picture eventually. of him standing there. But you know, it's funny because I was just you know at Terror Tuesday last night at our screening of Tenebrae, talking with our good friend Corey, who's a listener of the show, huge fan of Terror mm-hmm. Tuesday, comes out all the time. We love you, Corey, if you're listening. We were talking about how. Fright Night is that cinematic equivalent of comfort food. It's a comfort flick. You can watch it anytime. And it's I mention it all the time that if there's a movie that I need to watch to make myself feel better in the horror genre, it's almost always Fright Night because the movie always brightens my mm-hmm. spirits. Um, the pairing of William Ragsdale's Charlie Brewster and Roddy McDowell's Peter Vincent was a match made in Hollywood heaven. Roddy McDowell is just yeah. so lovable in this movie. I just... I just in hearing the stories about him being on the set from director Tom Holland, you know, it's I wish that I was like, I wish I was an adult during that time period. I could have done something more to experience it in the way that it was meant to. But when I screened this for Terror Tuesday um, with our return, you know, post covid, it was a blast. And and seeing it in, in, mm. in a crowded theater with a bunch of people was just so amazing. Uh, it's this is one of my favorite movies of all time, let alone just horror movies or vampire movies. So uh, there, there should be no surprise here that this is my number one. I just really, yep. everything about this movie is me, the score, the look of mm-hmm. it, the characters, uh, the tone of it is just, it's the perfect blend. I mean, really, you got a scary vampire who's just so charismatic. And of course it has that fucking nightclub scene. And ever since that movie, I saw that movie oh. for the first time. I've been like obsessed with eighties nightclubs and I just wish that there was some that still existed untouched so I could visit them, but they don't anymore. Everyone ruined them mm. in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Way to go nineties when yeah. I was born. But yeah. And Steve, Steve yeah, Jeffries I, I, as evil I think... led to chewing scenery and you actually feel for him yep. in the movie too. You get emotional. His transformation when he, when he turns is great. It's, but you're so, you feel well, I was so gonna sad say that. for him. When Jerry Dandridge is like following him down the alley with, again, the great music by Brad Fidel, and he is like evil scared and he's like, I'm going to die. And Jerry's like, no, I can help you. Like, I can help you not be made fun of all anymore. And it's like, that's the allure of being a vampire is being different and having power. It's it's all about having power over the people who wronged you in this movie. Yeah, and he revels in it too. Know. He absolutely soaks yeah. it up and just... When he turns, he's fan-fucking-tastic. When he's in the bed mm-hmm. with the raggedy Yan hair and his eyes are all fucking red, and he's got the huge fangs. <laughs> yep. It's just, the movie has so many iconic scenes, and it's got, you know, the shark mouth at the Yen with Amanda Bierce, uh, you know, that was the, a, a, a prop done last minute randomly, which no one thought was going to look good, and it ended up being the most memorable thing in the movie visually, and it was on the fucking poster because of it. Um I could talk about this movie forever and another one that I'd mm-hmm. like to revisit myself and the good old Loy sauce 
the god of podcasting, did a B-side on it on EFG Original <laughs> a couple years back for the anniversary of the film. So go check that out. It's a real deep dive into the movie. It's definitely a love fest because, listen, if you hate Fright Night, you hate life. The movie is just pure <laughs> joy. Uh, what are you going to say, you know? So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's both of our number ones. And we did not plan this. I never look at his list. He doesn't look at my list. If he did, he'd get spanked for it um, pre-show. So this was all live. And uh, I think we need to really quickly jump into any honorable mentions that we had. I know there's so many vampire movies, so I know I have a few. But Brady, I'll throw it to you first for your honorable mentions. Yeah, um... I know you might not count this one. I didn't put it on my list because I don't count it as a movie. It's a TV miniseries, Salem's Lot, Toby Hooper. Um, I think that's a great fucking vampire movie. Yeah, I was, uh, I was miniseries, waiting to hear that on your list, so I was but, shocked that it wasn't on there, but you, you, you categorized it properly. Well, it's a miniseries, you know. Um, I think that's fantastic. Uh, Interview with a Vampire, 1994. Dude. Is... Also, really I'm good. I'm glad you enjoy it because um, when I was doing this list, I just revisited it a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Nah, nah. Not a fan. I, I, I appreciate it, but man, it's a drag to watch. It really is. Mm. Eh, yeah, I get that. Um, Blade's really good. I I prefer Blade Two. Blade Two's amazing. If I'm being honest, just celebrated its twentieth anniversary. And then there's another one called Only Lovers Left Alive from 2014 with Tilda Swinton yes. and Tom yes. Hiddleston. Have you I've seen that? I've never seen it. It's been on um, my list for a long time. I would definitely, definitely check it out. Um, yeah, that's that's what I got for honorable mentions. Like you said, I could keep going with this list, yeah. but no, I, I would just try to whittle sure. it down. And uh, so my honorable mentions, a one that you had on your list that I really wanted to have on here, but in terms of... You know, trying to give some diversity to the list. I changed it up a little bit. So the next one in the list would be 30 Days of Night, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, you had already mm -hmm. talked about it, you know, and let the right one in. What we do in the shadows, even though I prefer the show to the movie, the movie's great. It really is. But the show is my yeah. one of my favorite shows ever created. I, I just think it's superior in every way to the movie. But I had to put that on there as well. Honorable mentions. And Dracula from 1958, the first Hammer entry with Christopher Lee. That's the best of his, and I really like that one a lot. And going to the one that started it all from 1922, the silent film Nosferatu. Absolutely creepy. And the imagery in that movie is what set the tone, the bar, the standard for horror movies. And ever since... We've yeah. never looked back. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our top 10 vampire movies. Comment below on this post and tell us what yours are. I know I'm going to see a lot of Lost Boys. I know I'm going to see a lot of Dracula. And I better fucking see a lot of Fright Night. It's It better it's be out there. Because like usually on like social media polls and stuff, when people put Fright Night in the conversation, it usually gets shit on in terms of the people that are actually voting for it or you know vouching for mm. it and it, it really pisses me off you know i know that film is subjective that's my trademark line of course but you know it's watch it again that's what i'm gonna say go watch it again buy it appreciate it i know tom holland the director appreciates that but that's it for this episode of brain stew we want to thank you again for listening this week and uh brady if they like what they're hearing tell them where they can find us Oh my God, it's so hard to follow Jeremy. I can't do any voices, okay? But you can go to Spotify. It's super easy. You just go to the the main page for Epic Film Guys. 
and you hit the stars. You can give us four stars would be preferred. I think that's the most you can do, 4.9, I think, on Spotify. Um, if you want to give us one star, that's cool too. We'll take it. Same thing with Apple Music. Okay. Uh, Justin, where else are we on that you can rate and review? I just uh, have those two. I'm pretty sure... Uh, that's the only two, those are the only two places actually. But, um, but you can find us though, oh, I mean, literally well. on social media at Epic film guys on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, where literally if you search the name brain stew and the name Epic film guys on Google, you'll find a ton of places to find us. So check us out there, but listen, we missed you, Jeremy this week. We, we, we loved ripping mm. on you though as well. So we'll take that opportunity. Any chance <laughs> we get baby. But so until next week, I'm Justin. I'm yeah, be ready. Uh, as always, we like to ask you to keep it creepy. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, ah, ah.